1: Plus. Welcome to Heart and Hand, Rangers podcast, the podcast that now officially has less clean sheets than Rangers. This week on Heart and Hand, come on the cartel! <laughs> To Heart and Hand Rangers podcast, my name is David Edgar. I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by long-term associate co-host, the second in command, my my right hand, which means he's been up to some fairly unpleasant things lately. Yes, it's Mr. Scott Vandenacker.
2: Hello, and my second in command. There's a big, big drop off after command. A
1: long, long way. That's all I can. I can say it in all honesty, a long, long way be, between Scott and, and here. So, Scott, what have you been up to this uh, these, these last two international weeks? I know that you're a huge, huge fan of the national team and all that goes with it.
2: Well, on BT Sport Extra, ESPN 72 HD, they had paint drying. Yes. And it was fascinating. So I watched the paint drying competition and, um, you know,
1: are you trying to claim that you're not someone who follows loyally to Azerbaijan and these other places, wherever it is that the national team go?
2: Oh, well, my national team, I suppose, I've got two national teams, which is Scotland and Holland. And Holland <laughs> are in their worst run of form for about 50 years. And Scotland are Scotland. So, not very glamorous at the moment. I wish I was Brazilian, or at least had a Brazilian.
1: I've said this before, you're a fucking
2: jinx. Me? Well... We could have start supporting England. I start supporting England, and hopefully they won't win it. And they might. When you look at the array of talent they've got, like that guy up front, another one.
1: Yeah, that that Harry Kane team is Um
2: But he's actually he's good.
1: Harry Kane. Think he's a Rangers fan. I hope so, but unfortunately he he seems to be a Spurs fan, which is a which is a drawback.
2: Oh, I thought maybe having his CV late in his career. You wanted to scratch that kind of thing, maybe not.
1: Maybe not. No, uh, there's something to something to an ambition to have. We do have a, a striker at the moment, um, that we'll discuss in a little while, uh, or rather, something's agency. But let's start with Friday night. Friday night fixtures, uh, before we talk about what transpired, uh, with the Friday night fixture, what are your views on them as a whole? Uh, because we, we, we seem to play quite a few of them these, these days. I think we play too many of them,
2: I like them. I think it's good for atmosphere, but we, we're we involved in too many. I think they should vary it about, maybe Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs. I think we've had four already and it's, you know, eight games in. Mm. I think it's too much for the supporters clubs and it's too much for the fans who are leaving from work. And I think the find fine give us a wee break for a while. That's probably my opinion.
1: Okay, doke. Well, moving on to the match itself. We go up to there. Now, it, it threatened, I thought, to be a potentially tricky match because St Johnson have been... As I mentioned on the preview, they've finished in the top four of the last three seasons. They are a decent side, they'll be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. And they'd apparently taken offence at uh, something Pedro had said earlier in the week. So it, it promised to be quite a tasty match. But in the end, Rangers, I thought, controlled the game, got the goals at good times, and then in the end, ran out fairly deserved comfortable winners. To be honest, it was a lot less
2: feisty as you say, than I thought. Mm. It was quite a routine one. And I know you intend to come on to this later about the joys of routine wins. Absolutely. Which is something that we haven't really... It's not something we've experienced enough of. And I thought St Johnson was shit, or terrible. Sorry, almost so. Um, you know, we did, weren't much well, wait a
1: minute, why are you things. kidding about swearing? Since when have we ever given a fuck about swearing? Well, when we first started, you told me to be beware the F word, bomb... That was seven
2: years ago. To be, in case and you've suddenly remembered. I don't we'll get sponsors now. Like no, we don't. No, we okay. don't. I've just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> I've just right, lost them. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, fuck off then. <laughs> Big giant fannies. Um, <laughs> um, um, I thought. Some- Johnson were fucking shite mate yes. honestly um, yeah they were, they uh, were. But, you I know, thought it was easier than I expected
1: yes but you, expected. you're one of these fans big man who does have this tendency that if we don't win you say we are rubbish and if we do win you say the opposition were rubbish
2: yes I think if you watch the game it was a really low, low quality game for the most part but we were better and unlike last season this is all we can judge it on there was none of this heart and mouth terror it, at no stage did I think we were going to lose the game. And th- that was okay, because a bit of a laugh- lack of excitement is fine if you're pretty safe. And I thought we'd win it from quite early doors. Um, and as I say, we will move on to routine wins. Uh, and I thought it was one of those. I was, it was surprised by how little St Johnson were up for it, considering how they hated us apparently beforehand. I thought we pretty much coasted to a victory David coasted.
1: Should we not then, the fact that we did impose herself to such a degree on the match the fact that we were able to control the match and as you say blunt st johnson to the point where after a lot of big talk about how they were going to be flying out the blocks against us we managed to shut all that down and uh, a you know friday night away game they were bang up for it live on tv everything was set for a battle but we we just squeezed that match and I thought that a key part of that was Graham Dorans and, the, and, and Jason Holt actually but but Graham Dorans especially in the midfield where you're right the, the, there maybe wasn't as much quality in the final third as we were like but we had absolutely closed the back door and won the midfield battle I felt Crucial also
2: was the fact that when St Johnson managed to get a cross in there wasn't the usual utter terror that, that last season's 40-50 games brought us mm. Um we just headed it away and again it's this thing you're not used to seeing across cross would come in and we'd head it away they you thought oh oh god that's right that's what you're supposed to do hmm. and um, yeah Dorans was brilliant Holt is an interesting one because people decided that Jason Holt surplus to requirements so what that means is when well, Jason Holt has a good game it's always underplayed you know that's I thought Jason point, Holt yeah. was really good Dorans was utterly superb
1: I think we're starting to see now what Dorans uh, has uh, been bought for
2: yes Doran did a great first game, and then in the middle, something wasn't quite right. Mm. Doran was fantastic on Friday, absolutely fantastic. Um, and the way you'd want him to be, he switched play, he kept the ball, he joined the attack, he also screened the defence. You could tell he played at a higher level for years, yes. and it was the first time in a while it was obvious that he was better than a lot of the players around him.
1: Yeah I thought so and I I thought that I think he's coming in I thought he he played well the week before as well and I think that he's, he's starting to relax and just play his natural game whereas initially I thought he was maybe trying a little too hard to impress and he was trying to do everything and I think that when a midfielder just especially a midfielder just relax, as We saw it a lot with Warburton where we had players who were trying to do too much, try to do things they, that they weren't capable of. And when they just relax and do what they're good at, then you begin to see the benefits of that. And I think that Dorans is doing that. And it, you can't be a controlling midfielder and a box-to-box midfielder and a late-breaking midfielder, It's unless you are Iniesta. You, you can't do all that. You have to just take a step back and say right i'm i'm going to do a to c tonight rather than a to z but i'll do it really really well and hopefully that'll provide something that the team can the team can build on and i thought that Dorans did that well ably supported by jack eh, by jack so i'm so uh, caught up in the caught up in Ryan Jack mania ably supported by jason holt and i think that's a really good point that because he was a stand in and because he's been a a player that, that, that was uh, let's be honest a button player in in the new era people were kind of just waiting for him to finish but he, he showed in his sub appearance at Hamilton and then the other night that he can be a useful player for us but moving on to a point you made there Scott and I think it's a very good one we conceded 16 corners now that sounds bad and I suppose in a way it is but it, it, they were it, a lot of them came from blocking crosses which as you know is a real bugbear of mine when teams don't do it especially when Rangers teams don't do it and then 16 corners under Warburton meant 12 goals conceded, let's be honest. Whereas the other night, yes. it didn't. The other night, as you say, there was a confidence and Alves was excellent. It was one of his best games so far. But I also thought Fabio Cardoso stood up really well to the challenge. And for the first time since maybe the, the maybe the Dunfermline game, I thought, oh no, I can see what this boy's about. He's,
2: he's got two major flaws to his game, David, at the moment, as we know. He lets the ball bounce too much when it's coming out there, And as someone said last night to me uh, at football, he, he's quite prone to pushing the back. Like, you know these silly fouls right in front of the ref? Yeah. He's really prone on the edge of the box and he just pushes someone over. And you think, why on earth did you do that? But yes, I thought he was really, really good on Friday. He's young and he is still learning. But sometimes it looks like he's never played defence and other times, he said some games this season where I think he's the future of our back four. Yeah, yeah. He'll be, he'll be the captain. And like so many of our players, and that's the thing, because we're still learning, trying to bring the squad together, there are players that at the moment are going from sublime to ridiculous, and he's one of them. And he probably needs a few more games where he's seven out of ten,
1: yeah, rather than four or five or nine, I think. It goes back to what your point was, though, about routine, doesn't it? It goes back to exactly that. the can assess to the 7 out of 10 every week because it will be enough... And you can't expect a player to play at his 100% every week. It's just unrealistic unless you have the very top players and clearly we are not in a position to do that. But if you've got guys who can go out every week and give you a minimum 7 out of 10, that'll be enough in in the SPFL for us. That will bring us more victories in run-of-the-mill matches and then hopefully they can step it up when we do have the trips to Parkhead, to Tynecastle, to Pataudry. That's what you're hoping for. Uh, and as I say that you, you might call it the Sasa Papach model.
2: And uh, I would like to have a Sasa Papach model.
1: Mm. and can you buy them? No because I don't I don't I think you might put it to illicit uses. I think you might do things to it that in co op, you know, show me on the Sasa Papach model where he touched you kind of thing.
2: I don't, I don't are, think... you going, are you going back to me being your used up right hand again? Yes, uh,
1: I, there, there's just there's an area that we probably shouldn't go into um, but, but we've already <laughs> went into 2 or 3 tonight so what the fuck I suppose it doesn't really matter does
2: it I um, don't want to it's Sasa Papach's area though. I don't want
1: to go into well you know you, you say that but uh, I bet you after he put that penalty away you, you'd quite like to have touched Sasa Papach's special area
2: I'd have taken one for the team
1: <laughs> You're taking one from the team that night Let's be honest
2: uh, well, I, I Also can I say one thing before we move on Obviously we need to cover Routine And a few of other players Including the player we're obviously going to talk about But do you know what I saw the other night You and I were watching the Milan Derby Yes excellent wonderful That's game of football Crackingly good game But for the first time in a while Across Europe's leagues I actually thought That Inter It's not a million miles from what uh, Pedro's trying to do now they've got much better players, but if you look at it, it's a rugged defence who are very good at heading away set pieces. They vary and they try and get the ball quick forward very quickly at times, and they always try and get the ball wide to cross into the centre forward. Mm-hmm. Now I know we can't compare players, but that, I've watched Bayern, I've watched, I I've watched the EPL. The closest I've seen to what Pedro is probably trying to do actually, strangely, is Inter. And if some of the people don't watch much Italian football, watch they play for sort of 3-3, three, three, and they play two wide players, they always get it white to them as fast as they can, and they're not feared of getting it forward very quickly either, like sometimes the long ball, and they also play two quite rugged midfielders and a skillful one, and it's just interesting, it was almost like something like what we are trying to do, it's the first time I've actually seen someone else adopt that, um, it's interesting. Yeah. That you,
1: it's interesting though that you're breaking that down to a four-three-three. Whereas I would say at the moment, I can see where your argument would come in, but I think it, we tend to play more a four-four-one-one currently. But but are you saying that you you think that it's? I don't. are you saying that it's a case of that it's meant to be a four-three-three? It's just looking like that, or are you saying that it's a flexible system that can go to a four-four-one-one um, or a four-three-three when we have the ball? I think it's a 4-5-1 when we don't have the ball.
2: But I think Windas and Candias are meant to get up when we have the ball. And I think they're meant to look for it wide as if they can get it and get it across as soon as they can. from where else. Which is what Inter do. Inter have got two fantastic wide players who do support the fullback. They fall back. But they're instantly looking for the ball. The minute Inter win possession, they're looking to get the ball wide. Mm. And yeah, and I think... We have problems in the fact that we, our left side isn't as strong, obviously, and I, I'm not really a Windass fan. But yeah, I think it's a four-five-one becoming a four-three-three. Three. I know you're saying about, we're about to talk about this. Where does he fit in? What does he do? But <laughs> I, who is this? But I do think it's it's the midfield is a three with one holding, one covering everywhere, and one up front. But the one attacking midfielder has, as you've alluded to, and we're about to talk about now, become a striker, really. And I don't know if that's a plan. Let's talk about the man himself, Glow. Yeah.
1: Let's have it. He's an odd player, isn't he? (laughs) Um, Because that's four goals and six. And you cannot deny that he's contributing, because he, he, of course he is. It's there in black and white. He's in the stat books. And the two finishes the other night were beautiful I mean fantastic but not easy and he made them look easy he made them look effortless for the first goal to the control on it the, the timing of the run was perfect he arrived exactly where he should and controlling the finish absolutely beautiful then the second goal exactly the same sees what's happening peels off perfectly and then just guides the header exactly where it needs to go to be a goal and then at other times he traps the ball further than most players can kick it Uh, Or he'll try to... There was, though, an interesting stat that apparently he he gives the ball away, or sorry, he fails to complete a pass less than, I think, probably everyone in the squad, according to the the stats guys. Yet it doesn't feel that way sometimes. It feels like he gives the ball away constantly, but the stats don't back that up. And like I say, I think he's a conundrum of a footballer. And maybe we just have to accept, Scott, that this is a guy who for 87 minutes of a match, might do absolutely nothing except drive you mad. But in the other three minutes of the match will produce moments of sublime quality that other people on the field simply aren't capable of.
2: I I just hope it doesn't weaken the midfield because my friend uh, Gibby, who was at the game, he said, look, he's a second striker. It was obvious to everyone at the game. He comes alive in the box. His Mm -hmm. finishing was superb. But... When he drops back to be part of the midfield some of his passing and control is as you said it's like i don't know it's like he he's won a game through make a wish foundation it, it's hard to see the footballer but then in the box backing up morelis is he comes alive and as you say it's almost a goal a game and i i don't know what we do with him i'm just hoping that the fact that he, he comes alive in the box and he's so far forward all the time I hope against better opposition. Like, we're playing Aberdeen back-to-back. We're playing Hearts and Hibs soon. And I wonder if they'll spot a gap between him and uh, Dorans and Jack, presumably, and maybe exploit it. Because he's either been a little bit ineffectual or he's in the box trying to bang in a a goal.
1: But maybe if you've got a player like that, Scott, with that ability, because it's the old cliche, but it's true. It's the hardest thing in the game is to put the ball in the back of the net. And... Here he is a guy who clearly can do that, and as you say, comes alive in the box. A, a, a great, a great description. A great thing to be as a man, someone who can come alive in the box. But in general, but also for a footballer. See,
2: see when you're at Sterling Uni, yes, you came alive in, in boxes quite a lot,
1: didn't you? Yes, yes. After a night out, yes. Uh, to, to my to my detriment, um, eventually that one kind of. I don't know if ever told the story on here. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, went away yeah. to live at Stirling Uni. My first year at Uni, I, I went away to live at Stirling Uni uh, and I was 17. Uh, it was September, I didn't turn 18 until November. And they're there um, mixed dorms at Stirling, or they were certainly in the 90s. And there were eight girls in my sort of corridor um, and I shagged seven of them. And I don't want to make it that uh, I was like Don Juan or anything, it's just that, you know, there's fuck all else to do in Stirling except drink and have sex with people. Uh, but it did make by the end of the year, like walking into the kitchen, the shared kitchen, really awkward. So at the end of that year, I actually transferred to a different university. When my mother gave me the fabulous piece of advice on my first day going to Strathclyde Uni, she went, You better not be at the fanny. Um, so, yes, yes. Who was the one that got away? She was not a looker um, and even drunk. Not and to be honest my standards when drunk Weren't huge but she also She did that thing like you know, when I was really drunk She would say well what's wrong with me and I'm like well like, Right now it's the fact you're saying what's wrong with me um, That's kind of off putting You know I say one thing in your defence though so Nowadays you wouldn't get away with that
2: because you'd be Guilty of the sexism Why? Um, because
1: apparently having sex with women is sexist no. Well I'm not having sex with men Just to not be a sexist you have to. No, I'm I mean, not. You've got me with this before, right? And we're not repeating <laughs> that. But you've got me with a, that. This happened before and I'm not doing it again. But uh, I, look, Scott, we're not here to kink shame, okay? Right? We're, we're here to talk about football. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get back to talking about Carlos Pena, right? Rather than places my Willie was 20 oh, sh- years ago. Okay, well, should he get a haircut? Okay, should he get a haircut? Well, why?
2: Because it's a bit silly. Says you. Look, get have Yeah, like You look like fucking Douglas Hurd. There's nothing wrong with looking at Douglas Hurd. Says <laughs> Mrs Hurd. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Know, Mrs.
1: Mrs Hurd, right? When she's shagging Douglas, she dreams of Carlos Peña. That is a fact. Damn. Right, back to the actual game. See the, see the job I have here trying, trying to keep you in the straight and narrow. You're trying to get me off the straight and narrow in particular. But um, getting back to the game, surely if you've got a guy who can put the ball in the back of the net, that your job as a manager is to say, OK, I'm, I'm going to allow him that little bit of space. I'm going to allow him... The fact that we've got to to plan around them, and we've we've got solid midfielders behind them, we've got guys here. You never need to worry about the work rate of of Daniel Candias. That's take you know take that off the table. That guy will we give us We
2: need a left sided Candias, by the way.
1: Yes, we do. Uh, that, we really I, I I think Windass is going into what I call Ian Black mode, which is he's been marginally less bad. And people are somehow equating that to him being good. And it's not that he's been good, he's just not been as bad as he's been. So it's like he's gone from playing three out of ten to four or five out of ten, and people go, oh, he's getting better. And technically they're right, but it's still not the required standard. And again, going back to a female, it's not that seven out of ten. And I do think we need someone. And maybe, you know, when Lee Wallace is fit, Declan John could push into that role. And I think then you've got the security. And also Alfredo Morelos, who had another good game the other night, because even when Morelos is not scoring, what he does is he occupies defenders and he causes a headache, so I think between the four guys you could put across the middle and and the one guy playing you know up front on his own technically, your second striker can be granted that bit more license if he will regularly deliver you something special
2: or looking at young McCrory, would you consider a three five two In the sense that you'd sort of actually have Pena hanging about up front more. And maybe play the forward sweeper, maybe McCrory be a forward sweeper and pack your midfield that way so he didn't have to track back and there wasn't a gap. So you're asking less of him. And as you've said about a lot of the players, ask them to do what they can do. So rather than him being box to box as well, he would play further forward and you'd bring the midfield forward by having, if you like, a back three with a forward sweeper. Would that work to give him the space to operate and not ask him to track back all the time?
1: I I think it could. I mean, theoretically, and I think that one of the reasons why I've been, if not supportive, because I I like the way we're playing now, and I think something that does need pointed out, Scott, is last season, the amount of goals that, that we are scoring would have taken us a month rather than a game. And that's seven away goals in two matches. Now, OK, not the strongest side in Hamilton, but St. Johnson are a good SPFL team. Seven away goals under Mark Warburton was just not happening. So, yeah, we could do a lock in the back door a bit more, but at least fans are going to get the entertainment value of, of guys getting forward and scoring goals. But the, the, the reason I've been intrigued by a three five two is... I do think we've got three good centre halves. I do think that then you can cover for each other. And the the guys that we've got at full backs, I think, are tailor made to be wing backs. Then the question is the midfield, and are you going to lose effectiveness of certain players by putting players into that formation? And also, there's the when do you try it out argument. Although we did the other night, uh, interestingly, last 10 minutes. We did, we ended the game playing that way. So. I don't think it's unfair to suggest that it's something that's on Pedro's mind because otherwise where did that come from?
2: I also think McCrory's ideal because he's not only a good defender but you notice he's really aggressive and seeing that role, if you like, almost like the sweeper but in front, Mm. he he loves a tackle, he loves a challenge, he loves mouthing into players and he's quite good in the ball and I could see if he was at the base and obviously Peña would be up front and then you could have Jack and Dorans being the two proper, if you like, centre midfielders, doing slightly different jobs. I think it could work. And I think, because I think the problem we've had under Warburton, especially, you and I talked about this all last season, he asked players to do what they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And he asked the team to do what they couldn't do as a team. And I think asking Pena to score a goal a game, but then also track back 40, 50 yards when we go up the ball every time. I'm not sure we should even bother trying to get him to do that. Why not? As you say, an attacker. I don't. I think maybe we try and work around that. Maybe we try and look at what people can do, what their strengths are. And as you've also hinted, Declan John and uh, Tavernier are much happier, bombing forward as well. Mm. And I can I say a word to Tav. Tav's had a lot of shit on websites and in social media this season. I thought his crossing was brilliant on Friday, especially for uh, Pena's goals and a few other crosses. It was absolutely brilliant to see him on form again.
1: I, and I thought that he, was the 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 best attacking James Tavernier, there we have seen since the initial burst uh Friday night, I really did. I thought he looked dangerous and I thought that he put panic into that St Johnston back line every time he went he went forward. And you're right, the accuracy of his crosses this season as a whole has improved I'd say dramatically um as as shown by the, the assists he's getting this season.
2: Yep. So it's something to think about is maybe
1: and I know Pedro's
2: keen Pedro's always talking about that about what his players can do, and try to work on formations and training based on their abilities. And I know he talked about doing defensive training during International Week based on the defenders they had and the type of crosses they fit. It's good. See, Pedro stays pragmatic. Mm. We will find a way to get these players together. Warburton never tried. And I think that was one of the success stories, obviously, of Graeme Murty's short time. He, got them all. he picked the players and picked them in a formation based on what the guys... Could do based on what he saw, Mm. and if Pedro sticks to that, I think the future's bright. I think it's going to be tough. Don't don't. We had to see we sheet twice, Hibs and and Hearts, in the next short while. But to be honest, now unlike last season, you're not dreading that. You're not worried about this aerial bombardment or big physical teams put the boot in. I'm a lot less wary of these teams than I was last season.
1: I think what everyone can agree. Uh or I'd be very surprised if anyone disagreed, but of course you may and you can get in touch with us. Uh iBrox Rock's on Twitter, Scott Harthand on Twitter. Uh if you do disagree, but the playing squad is better. There are better players and there are uh, there is a better balance of a squad there, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean you saw a guy like Holt who played every game last year, and as you say he's now finding his niche. He's he's a brilliant energetic sub, but he's playing a really good part in things. And, but maybe we shouldn't have been relying on him Maybe Jason Hall wasn't quite the man to start every single SPL game But you know, as part of a squad, a bigger, deeper squad He's finding his place There are still gaps, of course um, If Morelos falls down a manhole And is out for a few weeks Then you're slightly buggered I'm not a wild-ass fan and, But apart from that, we do seem to have some cover I mean, we're really good down the right side We've got a few midfielders coming in And the defence is rock solid McCrory's been great and Wes is having a really good season. He's hardly yes, letting he anything is. in.
1: That's, that's a good point. Um, he's Well, he had that start earlier that he'd 8 from 11, but I think that he's improved the last... The whole team has improved the last few weeks. You can't you can't deny that. Um, was, it your Cam- if,
2: it? was it you you, Cammy who said, though, if you looked at the goals, they were all sweetly struck. It's not like see the 8 from 11, savable shots.
1: No, that's a fair point. That,
2: no, there, quite a lot of them are like, the guy was through, he picked his spot... Not everyone's manly, Noya. I mean A lot of these goals I don't think were savable I think what he's cutting out Is errors I can't remember the last time You thought Shit Wes is about to drop the ball
1: Yeah He, he hasn't chucked one in For a while That's true And let's hope we're not jinxing him But um, Yeah <laughs> he, he, Yeah exactly But he He does deserve a, a Word of praise I think Now Last thing from the game Before we move on To the kind of main Talking point of this week So far Was the red card For the St Johnson player And uh, to me, it looked a definite red card. I thought a guy on a yellow pulled him back, and that was all there was to it. But after the match, Tommy Wright said, "Oh, well, you know, he went down easy." And the, after the whole Marellis is a nutter thing, which people have been trying, there now seems to be uh, in the media a bit of a campaign to say he goes down easy. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't think he tried very hard to stay on his feet. But it's modern football. Let's not. Let's not pretend that this doesn't happen with every team. The the days of the Brian Clough, I'll book you for going down too easy, are long gone. And he was thrilled. He went down the ref, in my opinion, took the correct course of action. Is this a genuine, is this just me blue-tinted spec, Scott, uh, and Morelos is a terrible diver? Or is it yet another thing that's being invented to try and cause some full controversy around us?
2: I think the latter Um, First of all Have we been awarded Many penalties this season? I can't How many? Two I think Two? And both of them were pretty No argument Is that right? There's no argument really Yeah So the number of times That Morelos has dived To get a penalty Is zero Yes No times And I think that's probably The stat that People should be looking at It looks like he's dived No times to, To win an unfair advantage Of a penalty He's a, good, he's a young lad, he's speaking his third language now, he's learning his third language, he's playing well, and the one thing I think about him, ironically, I would say he's the opposite. I think he's quite a robust lad who likes to give it and take it. He loves a, t- a tussle, and I don't think he, th- he dives about as if he's been shot. In fact, I would probably say my initial opinion is that he doesn't. For a striker these days, I think he likes to see his feet, he likes the challenge, I think he's quite a physical player, I, I wouldn't say he's a diver I've never noticed that I have to say I've not noticed that yet
1: there's some talk in the media that he's been scouted by Aston Villa or well, the name mentioned now some of our fans get upset by this sort of thing but to me it's a good sign because let's face it it's been a wee while since we've had a player that was worth sending a scout to, to go and see so if he's playing well the fans love him Yeah, I love him you love him everyone loves him deservedly so because he's made such a good impression and because he is a good player He's going to attract attention, that, and that's surely the job of a scout of a football club. As if he hears someone is doing well, especially in a league 200 miles up the road, he's going to drive and see the boy. Surely that's just football as it's always been.
2: Well, firstly, can I correct you there, David? Um, we have got a letting agency in our office block, and two years ago they scouted in black because they had some paint and decorating they needed done. Da boom boom. I hang you all. Um Yes, I think also, can I also add, it's the job of our scouts. David's right, but his job of our scouts is to bring in players who will be sellable. And that was something Ali didn't really manage. And even Mark Warburton, to an extent, didn't manage. Steve Marielos has brought in for 900,000 and we sell him for 5 million to Villa. Good. That's our scouts doing their job too. Mm -hmm. Villa scouts are doing their job. And the idea that some of our fans have that we should somehow... Not give press, not give tickets to Villa scouts. Keep them out. Lock the
1: door. How do we switch off the TV cameras? How do we stop that's, people that's seeing Morelos playing football. And you want you want your guy. You, you want scouts to see him. You want more scouts to see him because you want. If eventually Alfredo Morelos is not going to finish his career at Rangers, that's a fact. And I'm sorry, he's for a five Elos year
2: he's... deal, and he's not seen out the five years. Yes.
1: No, um, he's going to stay for hopefully I would say two seasons. Realistically, because. At the end of that, then it will be hopefully time to cash in. And you want 10 or 12 clubs that are regularly sending representatives to watch him. You want a bidding war. You want to be in a position to take top dollar for the guy. And then you want to reinvest that cash into the squad. And hopefully, as you say, that our scouts, well in this case it was John, uh, Jonathan Johansson, hopefully he's got a few more uh, gems from Finland up his sleeve, but... That that's kind of what we want our business model to be and it's the same with Fabio Cardoso you're hoping he improves um, to, to, to be at a level where clubs are coming in and we're getting 10-12 million for him that has to be what what we want to do and it goes back to getting attached to a player it, it's going to be difficult at Rangers to get attached to players because in the main you're going to get two years out of them and I'll tell you why If they do badly, you want rid of them. And if they do well, they'll probably be sold on to a bigger league. Not a bigger club, a bigger league. And that is just an unfortunate consequence of the way modern football has gone and the position that our league finds itself in in 2017. So you might get it with a youngster that stays a bit longer. Maybe maybe a Dorans could play for four or five seasons who's come and wants to finish his career with, that kind of thing. Overall, the idea that you're going to buy in a guy who's 23 and he's going to be there you know, for for five years, it, it's unlikely because he is either going to be not good enough and replaced or very good and sold on.
2: Absolutely. And I think also, that also a lot of it is, and I find myself guilty of this because of my generation I'm in, is the, the English Championship, Villa on the bottom half, who the beep Or Aston Villa mm. There's this kind of Unless it's Real Madrid Or Barcelona And it takes an adjustment To think Yeah Even the bottom half Of the championship Is 30 grand a week And a 6-7 million Transfer fee mm. the, Those clubs In the bottom half Of the championship Have got more money Than
1: we do Oh god yeah and, Jesus Yeah
2: yeah, yeah And just- it just It's a mindset thing For some older fans Especially It's like Why would we sell a fucking the English first, second division as they call it you know mm. why would we sell a club there because they've got much more money than us and, that's it yeah and, and Alfredo
1: and Morelos is a young guy who's come from uh, from his own country he's gone to Finland I dare say he didn't grow up dreaming of playing in Finland he's then left Finland to go to Scotland because it's a move up the way and it would be incredibly naive not to feel that he'll be then eyeing his next move which will be England and then you know the, maybe the Premiership then Spain, Italy whatever but It's just a fact, and we've got to be realistic about it. Except, I think, of course,
2: uh, a true legend, somebody like um, I don't know, Dave McPherson, Stuart Monroe, they stayed.
1: Well, they did until we sold them. Yeah, that's
2: true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. Speaking. Speaking of of legends. <laughs> I, did. I just wanted to do this. I know, yeah. Do you have a shoehorn with you? Yeah. Speaking, speaking of legends, Scott Ken, <clears throat> Kenny Miller. Uh, well, Kenny Miller yes. was uh, not in the squad on Friday night. Pedro suggested he'd been injured on Thursday, but um, more. Fuel on the whole fire has been poured by Kenny Miller's agent with an Instagram post, and there's everything that you should hate about modern football right there. Um, right. Kenny Miller's agent, which sounds like a really shit follow-up to Betty Davis' eyes, but uh, sort of Kim Carnes is looking, there's, there's your your next hit. But he has come out and said it's a disgrace the way he's being treated, that if they think there's a rat, they should name him, that it's not Kenny, he's a model pro, he's been fantastic for Rangers, etc. etc. Eh uh, now do we believe that the agent has done this independently of Miller and that Kenny will be shocked when he when he learns of this do we believe that it was done uh, suggested to be done by the agent to maybe get out a line for the press and the the i suppose the logical conclusion of it Scott is is he ever going to wear a ranger shirt again
2: Right. Well, first of all, I find this whole episode baffling. The the first thing I find strange is that he was banished from the first team squad with all the talk about mole. He's the mole. Then the press came out and said it was not him. There is a mole, but it's not him. And he was welcomed back to first team training with joyous pictures in the press of players high-fiving each other. Then the first squad was named and he was banished again with an injury, that now his agent is hinting wasn't an injury. I, you and I have talked about this before, I think we talked about it a little bit. He's either the mole or he's not. If he's not the mole, if he's not the person that's been leaking things, then I don't understand Friday's banishment from the squad after rejoining training. I think, though, now, the way it's, if you get your agent to, to conduct a public... Slanging the match with the Rangers Though it's only going to end one way And that is a January move Yes, I think he could have found his way back in I think he could have played a part Now it's looking like Bridges have been burned I can see Kenny Miller's point of view Kenny Miller's point of view is He probably seeing saying There was an investigation It wasn't me, I'm not the bloody mole I was invited back to training I made it up with Pedro He picked his squad from Johnson I'm banished again and obviously Kenny Mill and his agent are thinking clubs are going to hear this and put two and two together they're trying to get out he's not a mole he's not a dressing room leak please buy him in January yeah. he's not he's not trouble yes
1: yeah exactly that's that's it that's, exactly that's what, what Rangers are saying
2: is a mixed I don't know what Rangers are saying because is addressing what's being hinted here is that they still a dressing room mole that hasn't been addressed and it isn't him and even Rangers have sort of said that Rangers are kind of hinted as well you said to me on, on the pod that You'd heard it's for different reasons. Miller wasn't, he'd, he'd sort of, Pedro unhappy for different reasons. And that means there's still a mole there. I, Rangers, it's been a strange episode that hasn't really covered. No one's been covered in glory. And I don't know what to make of it, but I don't think Miller will play again. No, I think he'll be moving in January. Probably alone. Because he, he can still do a job. And seeing SPL, bottom half of the SPL. And I wouldn't be surprised if something like Neil McCann for Dundee
1: yeah I mean he's got six months left in his deal come January so I agree he's going to go as you say possibly on loan but gone kind of thing and it's a tough one because his agent was was playing the magnificent servant card and history will need to judge that because Kenny Miller has scored a lot of important goals for us and I'm, I'm very grateful for it but if we recall His his second departure... Because his first one... you know, He'd been left out... The manager didn't fancy him... He went out and loan liked where he was and stayed... There's nothing wrong with that... The second one was in the middle of a season... Because he got offered a shitload of money... And... The idea... That Kenny Miller has loyally... With any of the clubs he's been at... Has loyally went... Nope, I'll do what's the best for this club... Even if it's not quite in my interest is fairly laughable. And for the agent to try and intimate that that's not the case, I think beggars credibility a little bit. I I don't see that. And I don't blame Kerry Miller, incidentally, before what would have done. I would have left and taken the money. He did. He he did exactly the right thing. If someone was offering him, I believe at the time it was two and a half times what his wage was at Ibrox, he would have been insane not to go and, and take it for a while, which is exactly what he did. And... That's cool. That's absolutely fair. And I don't think anyone can have a problem with that. But what it means is you can't then play the I'm a very loyal club servant card. Because what you are as a professional footballer who does give his all for the club that he's playing for, and no one can ever deny that about Miller, that he has, at every club he's been at, given everything. Maybe, maybe sometimes he's not been informed, but he has given everything. But I think one of the reasons that Kenny Miller hasn't been universally loved at any of the clubs he's been at has been that streak in him where you know that he is a guy who looks after himself first and foremost and as I say I can't blame him for that and he's never taken a wage on false pretenses from anyone but He's not exactly someone who's going to go. No, I'll, I'll show up and get on with the best for the greater good of the club because that's who I am. That that's just not the type of of guy or type of player uh, or type of career that he's had. So I think it's just as simple as Pedro got a bit fed up with his attitude because I think I think from what I've heard, uh, and this is this is just a theory. So please don't take this as gospel and say, well, Edgar said this is what happened. This is my theory of what happened. Pedro had tried to be quite close to him, Had knew he was a senior pro, knew he had a lot of sway in the dressing room and tried to keep him on side, played him consistently even though sometimes it would have been more popular not to with the support and felt that after doing all that Miller's attitude when things weren't going well towards him, towards Pedro, was really poor. And that they've just, their relationship has just broken down, that Pedro feels, well look, I've done a lot for you since I came here, and you've never given me any of it back, and Miller feeling you're not up to the job here, and you're not doing things the way I want them done, and it, it it's just like in any work in any work environment, when you have that between two people, and they can't work with each other for whatever reason, no matter who's right and who's wrong, that... There'll be a parting of ways, and it will be whoever holds more authority in the organisation at that time. And currently, it's Pedro, so Miller will be on his way. That's what I think has happened.
2: Yeah, I I quite agree. And I think what today's about is, hey, clubs that want me in the future, I'm not a dressing room mole. I've got no baggage. You know, I'm not. I'm not trouble. Come and get me. I think that's what they're trying to do now. Is, is but it does leave the interesting question of the mole, which now everyone pretty much unanimously says it's not Miller, Miller was something else, which leaves the, the leaks from the dressing room still there, but that will hopefully resolve itself. I'll tell you something, David, do you know when leaks go away in a dressing room? Yes. When you start winning games?
1: Absolutely. There's, there's, <laughs> there's uh, very few leaks come out of a happy winning dressing room, but miraculously loads appear from a dressing room where there's, there's not been that success.
2: So we shall see... What happens in the future regarding dressing room moulds?
1: Now, before we uh, go on to this week's Sporting Integrity Award, we are going to take a little musical break and then we're going to come back with some very exciting news. So please be ready. Yes. Scott. Yes. We've done two live shows this year. We have. And both of them have been, for some reason, well-received. Incredibly, yes. And people have asked us when we were doing a third one. Mm, same people? Well, apparently. But I felt it was too soon and that we, we couldn't really just go back with the same line-up. Well, then an idea hit me. I should make a signing. And what a signing I have made for the next Heart and Hand live pod at the Loudoun Tavern on Saturday, the 2nd of December at 8pm. Saturday, 2nd December, 8pm, Loudoun Tavern, eyebrows. You're going to get a Heart and Hand live show featuring the Heart and Hand boys and you signing Kevin Thompson. Yes, that Kevin Thompson. You're fucking getting it, Kevin Thompson and the Heart and Hand boys for a live pod. That
2: Is something Which is incredible
1: That's the signing Of the season Isn't it
2: It is the signing Of the season And of course Like all our product Will be free Oh no Wait a minute
1: Well no Um, And we have overhead So no There is a fee involved If you want to come Tickets for this will be going on sale at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. And I'm not saying that to be big-headed and saying, oh, you need to... The last one sold out, the first one sold out in five hours, the second one sold out in 34 minutes. I'm saying this because if you go, oh, I'll get a ticket for that on Saturday, no, you won't. And... I really strongly suggest if you want one, then you go to our Facebook page on Thursday at seven o'clock, or you go to my Twitter account on Thursday at seven o'clock. Just search for Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast on Facebook, and you'll find us. Or I'm, I'm at ibroxrocks Rocks, and there will be the link to purchase tickets for this event. It will sell out. It will sell out quickly. I've already there are just shy of two hundred tickets. And I already have had, like, 60 people get in touch with me to go, great, when the ticket's going on sale, so if you want one, please get one. People moaned the last time and said, ah, David, you never told us that the the tickets were going on sale before you did a pod. I'm doing it now, Thursday night. This pod goes out on Tuesday, Thursday night. The tickets will go on sale. Please, if you want to come, Saturday, 2nd December, Heart Hand live pod with Kevin Thompson Please get them because they will sell out and then don't come to me on Saturday and tweet me and go, oh, are there any tickets left? No, there, there won't be, okay? So please, that's what to do. Uh, I've said all that now and, wait and see, we'll sell like four. But just in case, because it's, it's, I'm only going on what's happened before. I can't understand why you all want to come. This time I can because you'll be able to get pictures, you'll be able to get autographs, you'll be able to get a hug and with Kevin too if you want exactly what you're going to have
2: in that room is a bona fide Rangers legend and Kevin
1: Thompson yay I knew I knew knew where you were going but it didn't make it any less sweet when you got there yes okay Um, folks so like like I say Thursday 7pm Uh, This Thursday, 7pm, if you want tickets to this show, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. You'll get your heart and hand uh, live pod like you you can expect usually and, of course, you'll get Kevin Thompson, but you'll also get Kevin will be doing uh, an interview with myself and uh, we will... It's like when you you know a comedian's going to tell a favourite story, but you want to hear it live anyway. You know the story I'm talking about. You want to hear it live, and you will get the opportunity to do that Saturday, December the 2nd. And we're going to get
2: the microphones
1: working this time. Yeah, and everything. It's, 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 it's going to be, it's going to be yeah. fantastic. It's, it's going to be really professional this time. So uh, that's what to do Thursday, 7pm, Hartman Facebook page, Hartman, well, my Twitter account, for tickets. Scott, we're overrunning time-wise. So, quick ones, if you will, for this week's Sporting Integrity Award. The award where we look around the world of sport and see who's made the biggest SFA of it in the last week.
2: Okay, well, because we're running a bit short, I've got two for you, David. Okay? Go on. First, Gigi Bacalli. Hooray! Pod legend! He's back. But, but, he is back. He's released, as you know... From, from jail, He's, his own team, FCSB, who they have to call him that because of certain legal. Everyone knows the story anyway. He's manned from six months by the FA. Okay. Mm, from Remarks made in summer. Okay. Yes. He pledged in the summer pre season. His pledge was never to sign blacks from Africa because they're uncivilised brutes. Okay. That's
1: not very so, nice.
2: When asked about it, it's not nice. But he was asked about this. He said, For goodness sake, six months. I'm no racist. Blacks from Africa are educated brutes, but I sign the blacks from Europe, I sign those ones.
1: Oh Jesus Christ. So uh, he's learned a lot. He's a man of God now, remember? Yes, he signs it as well. But uh, that that's He's learned a lot. Yes. Um I think we should probably move on quickly. We will. to crazy. Crazy Liska.
2: It's all gone wrong finally For Serie B coach Of Parana in Brazil Crazy Lisca. As you know He kept being called crazy by everyone Okay And last When I told the pod listeners last time He was imploring people to stop Calling him crazy Show me respect Don't call me crazy again He's been called crazy again David Those bastards He punched his assistant manager in the face Why'd he do that? He just had a fight with him on the training ground and he's been sacked the club said liska has gone this time it was a day a day we can only describe as being a day of fury
1: i don't think we can argue with that
2: so crazy liska is so crazy that he's finally been sacked by Perania for this time punching his assistant in the face during a fight and it, i think he is crazy and i think his denial and his plea to not be called crazy May fall in deaf ears.
1: Slightly gone out the window. Well, you know what they say, Scott? It's you shag one sheep.
2: Exactly. I think he is Crazy Liska. And let's face it, David, see when his name was Crazy Liska? Yes. No smoke without fire.
1: No Absolutely. Steam. It's a bit well, like, you know, if you meet a girl called Crystal Chandelier, she's going to be a stripper or a country singer. Yes. Um, and you're always hoping the former. Well, it depends what she looks like, I would have thought. Well, uh, congratulations, Crazy Lisa. As you ride off into the sunset, you can at least do it with this week's Sporting Integrity Award. Okay, then, folks, thank you very, very, very much for listening. Um, My name is David Edgar. I have been your host, and I have been joined this week by the delightful Mr. Scott Vandenacker.
2: It's good to be back, it's good, and honestly, there's so many pods that I'm losing track myself, but this is the pod, there's a preview pod, there's Scott's Thoughts, there's telescopes, there's periscopes, there's horoscopes, it's all go.
1: Yes, there is. There's loads of places you can find us, actually. If you want to go to our new YouTube channel, then just go and search for Art and Hand, subscribe and you'll get all our videos, uh, including after game recaps, a whole lot, you'll get their stuff there first, and also if you missed a pod previously, they'll be up there as well. If you want Kevin Thompson tickets, you know where you need to go this Thursday, seven o'clock, and get those tickets. And uh, I, I think that's pretty much it this week. All that remains to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Miles. My name's David Edgar, and I will talk to you again on Friday. Cheers, bye. <laughs>
0: no purchase necessary for you are prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.